Good evening. Thanks for coming. My name is Bill Church. I'm a associate professor at, uh, in neuroscience and chemistry here at Trinity, and I'm just thrilled to be able to uh, present a little um, food for thought, if you will, uh, with, with regards to some of the questions that I've dealt with over the years since I've sort of recognized that I am both a Christian and a scientist, and some people find that very hard to comprehend and wrap their brain around. Um, but this is a specific question that um, came up, started uh, as a result of a conversation up in Chicago in a bar with a biologist. Um, we were there for a meeting for the health professions, and we were sitting around having a couple beers and talking about God because her mother was going through some issues and, and, and evolution and all that sort of stuff. And how, you know, how can you be a Christian if you're a scientist, Dr. Church? You know, what's going on? And, and I, I just, you know, after several beers, because this is a, it's a very deep conversation, you know, um, you know, I said, well, what if God invented evolution? And that was sort of the original question that has taken me on this journey, which initiated me teaching two freshman seminar classes called The Relationship Between Science and, and Religion, where we looked at what is that relationship and why is it so difficult for them to be perceived as being integrated or cooperative as opposed to antagonistic. The relationship between or conceptualization of the concept or crystallization of the concept of God creating science, just like he is the creator of everything else, as I said, took place about five years ago. And we were discussing life issues ranging from grown kids aging parents and how I dealt with being a scientist and believing in a triune God. It was obviously, a, as I said, a multi-beer conversation. Um, and then she asked the question, well, you believe in evolution, don't you? And believe me, that is something that I've been trying to reconcile uh, for uh, many, many years of, since uh, I started being interested in, in science. Uh, and I said, yeah, I do, but what if God created evolution? And as I said, that's where it all started. So I started to teach a um, faith and science or, you know, uh, science and religion um, seminar and uh, sort of focuses on the, the concept that this cartoon presents is that there's a perceived antagonism because of the different questions that science asks um, and, and the questions that religion asks. And oftentimes they can be flipped around and perceived, uh, you know, completely contradictory to each other with respect to, you know, uh, even though scientists can't measure things, they have faith that, they, that those things exist. So um, a brief, really quick, this is, the, this is the essence of tonight's little presentation. Um, so humans do science. We're the only creatures, uh, only organisms on this planet that are engaged in the process that we call science. And this ability to do science requires a very sophisticated cortex. You can't <clears throat> do, um, ask the important questions and design the experiments that are required to do science without having a, a highly functional, highly um, sophisticated cortex. And humans have this, the most organizationally advanced cortex known. And engaging in spiritual activities, such as meditation and prayer, increased the neuronal complexity in the cortex of humans. This is data that's just recently come out in the last couple of years. Therefore, as a scientist, I like to connect the dots. So we've got this, humans do science, 
You, you need a, re, a sophisticated cortex to do science. Spiritual activity increases the sophistication of our cortex. Therefore, spiritual activities perhaps led to the, pro, the, the ability, the intellectual ability, of us to do this thing that we call science. Okay? So, incompatible or reconcilable, from Galileo and Darwin to Gould and Ham, the relationship between science and religion has been debated and, in, and interpreted across the secular and theoretical, theological battlefields. Like many conflicted re relationships, this one is full of miscommunication, false accusations, and compromise. The National Center for Science Education recently posted a national survey titled National Study of Religion and Human Origins, that reported that when asked whether they think that science and religion are often in conflict or mostly compatible, 54% of the respondents chose conflict, while 40% chose compatibility, and 5% saying they didn't know or they refused to answer. Chickens. Uh, this fall, Pope Francis de delivered a speech to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences in which he declared that the teachings of the Catholic Church addressing the origins and development of our known reality were not in conflict with the scientific models such as the Big Bang and evolution and that currently explain our universe and human life. Enter into the fray the proponents of intelligent design who are cautious to declare God as the superior being that created our known reality, and now it seems that most people prefer being identified as spiritual as opposed to religious. So what to make of the role that these two institutions have in our lives? Is science the antichrist, providing explanations based on natural laws for things that once were thought to originate in the supernatural? From being able to measure dark matter to reconstructing the events responsible for the formation of the universe, it seems as if science can eventually provide us the means to completely and comprehensively understand all things. Is God dead, as declared on the cover of Time magazine, as a result of man's sophisticated use of science? But what if God is responsible for our ability to carry out the science that is allowing us to comprehend our reality from the microscopic to the cosmic? So Carl Sagan, the man responsible for bringing the vastness and magnificence of the cosmos to the consciousness of the common man, well before the Hubble telescope and the internet, once said, science is not only compatible with spirituality, it is a source of spirituality. One can find spirituality in the study of science, and it is not too far of a stretch to consider the possibility that God created the ability of man to engage in the multitude of behaviors that we call science as a means of furthering his kingdom here on earth. That is to say, our ability to understand our earth reality provides us the opportunity to appreciate the magnitude and the beauty of his creation. The images of the helitelescope humble us with the enormity and the beauty of the cosmos. Is there other life out there? Remains a question that many will say, if answered in the affirmative, would, sh would confirm that our existence here on Earth is a result of arbitrary chemical reactions and general chance physical phenomena. From the empirical identification of dark matter to the ability to control the production of proteins within human cells, the advances in technology that have come to define the 20th and 21st century science have helped to generate an awe and wonder about our physical reality 
in every human that chooses to embrace it. Some folks really couldn't care less about how a cell makes protein, but they're missing out on some things. So, scientists were often accused of playing God in their initial pursuits of understanding the biochemical processes involved in reproduction and then testing that knowledge through in vitro fertilization and cloning, and soon followed our ability to manipulate the molecular machinery of that most beautiful of all molecules, DNA. But what if God wanted man to evolve into the only creature on Earth to have the intellect to accomplish these feats? to comprehend these processes in a way that we might begin to appreciate the magnificent magnitude of his feat of creation. Wouldn't this be a means of bringing us into a closer relationship with him? The only reason that we can even contemplate these inspiring issues is our uniquely human ability to engage in the process that we have come to call science. But if God created science, why has it taken hundreds of years for us to get to this point in our understanding of how things are and came to be? Scripture provides us with some insight. John 16, 12, 14, the essence of the, of the text says, I will provide a, a, a messenger that will open your eyes to the truth of your creation. Could it be that God realized that Moses could not handle differential calculus? Perhaps he felt that Noah couldn't quite conceptualize continental drift, and Abraham, the father of three great world religions, was not quite ready for evolutionary biology. Science is a product of a highly functional cerebral cortex. The scientific method requires that a question be asked, a prediction made, experimental data collected, and the question answered based on that data. If need be, another prediction is made in refining the question. But why is it that only humans have the capability to carry out this process? Why don't we see antelopes running around in white lab coats? Is it, a, it is a direct result of the sophistication of the human brain. The uniqueness of the human brain is said to be the purpose of the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord, is to allow an organism to sense and respond to external cues from the environment such that the chance for survival and reproduction is maximized. As a result, the faster that an organism can process input from the environment, the quicker decisions and responses can be produced to allow for a successful interaction and response. The anatomy of the human cortex is unique among all other living creatures. Identified as being the center for the advance of advanced cognitive processes, it allows man to render all manner of good and evil to our planet and to each other. The cortex of our brain is illustrated by the gray tissue shown here on the outside. And there's no other creature that has as much per body weight or as sophisticated a complex connection as, the, as humans do. Humans, as a result of the advanced cellular construction of the cerebral cortex, can ask the questions why, what if, how, and then devise a strategy of thought and action to answer those questions. No other creature on Earth has the capacity to ask these types of questions because no other creature on Earth has this kind of cortex. In a recent review paper, Michael Hoffman of the Netherlands Institute for Neurosciences 
writes, human brains in particular are distinguished not only by their size, but also by a greater proportion of their cortical surface allocated to higher order association cortex rather than primary sensory and motor areas. This observation suggests that relatively more of the human cerebral cortex is dedicated to conceptual as opposed to perceptual and motor processing. In other words, we have more than enough brain cells to successfully sense and respond to our environmental challenges. The remaining cells have been developed to allow us to ask questions of how and why we exist. A major percentage of our brain is dedicated to asking questions, contemplating the future and the past, imagining what-if scenarios, exactly the kind of activity required to do science. Scott Kaufman